Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. chapter 20 verses 7 through 12 on the first day of the week when we met to break bread Paul was holding a discussion with them since he intended to leave the next day he continued speaking until midnight there were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were meeting a young man named Eutychus who was sitting in the window began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer Overcome by his sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up, dead. But Paul went down and, bending over him, took him in his arms and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs, and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to converse with them until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and were not a little comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, Sharon, thank you for reading that. That rather painful passage of scripture. You know, I just have to tell you that for folks like myself, like young preachers, when you dream about becoming a pastor and a preacher, you go off to seminary and you train and prepare and you learn about scripture and theology and the word of God and you imagine yourself one day becoming like Peter on the day of Pentecost and just preaching these sermons that have fire and conviction and truth and thousands are saved, right? Preaching to crowds that are just so alive. But more often than not, we end up becoming like Paul in Acts chapter 20 and droning on and on while people fall asleep. And we just thank the Lord there are no open windows in here this morning. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You know, in fact, last week, just last week, and I will say I have permission to tell this story. Uh, right, guys? I have permission to tell this story. Um, last week, I had prepared a sermon that I was pretty passionate about. If you were here last week, I hope you noticed I mean, I had worked really hard, and I was really passionate and fired up, and I was preaching my heart out, and then come to find out that for the youth group, the most memorable moment of the sermon was when a Snapchat picture started going around of Trey DeVore out totally asleep during the sermon, right? <laughs> and it was, and I could see it from up here, so even if there, I mean, it was a pretty glorious, like, snooze. It was pretty glorious, which... I got Trey's permission to share that, and he told me that he had been up all night as a security guard at kids' camp this last week. You were doing the, wor the work of the Lord, the work of the Lord, absolutely. In fact, let's give a hand for our youth groupers who are here today. We love you guys. So grateful. Man, this story is funny. The story of a kid falling out a window after a too-long sermon, it is really funny. And it's okay to laugh at how 
boring preaching can be sometime. It is really okay to laugh. And here's why. We laugh at the insufficiency of our words because there is so much more to the gospel than words. If the gospel was just about getting the words right, saying the right thing, understanding the right definitions to all of the right terms, then it's not funny if we are laughing when people fall asleep in church because that must be all that our faith hinges on, right? Is, is the words, like understanding these words. But thank God that there's more to the gospel than words. Thank God that Jesus is the word who became flesh. All right, more about that later. Jesus being the word who became flesh. First, I want to tell you why this story is so funny. And it's so serious. So much so that it is seriously funny. Here's the thing. In the book of Acts, we see the disciples figuring out how to walk the way of Jesus after Jesus has ascended into heaven. You know what? As I, I'm noticing, I have not dismissed the children and I don't want you to fall asleep in this sermon. So kiddos, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Jeremy are in the back waiting for you. I saw my own kids head slumped over and realized, oh, I forgot to do something. No falling out of windows today, guys. We're so glad you're here. Have a great time learning about the love of God in age-appropriate ways. Amen. We're so grateful for that. In the book of Acts, these disciples, they are figuring out how to walk in the way of Jesus after Jesus has ascended into heaven. See, when Jesus was on the earth, the disciples could walk the way of Jesus by literally just walking where Jesus walked, <laughs> following after him, going places with him, doing what he did, and saying the kinds of things they heard him say. But once Jesus ascends into heaven, well, now they have to learn how to walk the way of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what the disciples in the book of Acts are learning to do. Paul is one of those disciples. But Paul never actually knew Jesus when he was on the earth. In fact, Paul was once a guy named Saul. And Saul was a guy who lived so way, 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 way far off from the way of Jesus. Like he was way off track from walking the way. So much so that, that while the, Jesus went to Jerusalem where he laid down his life for others and was crucified and killed, Paul was seeking after people who believed Jesus was the Messiah and that God had raised him from the dead and having them killed. Right? So, I mean, complete opposite ways that they are walking. But Saul meets the resurrected Jesus on the road one day, and it changes everything. So much so that Saul has to change his name to Paul and now Paul is, is learning to live like the resurrected Jesus in the power of the Spirit. And he is burdened with this gospel story that Jesus is the Son of God, Israel's Messiah, and God raised him from the dead. So Paul is now living like the resurrected Jesus. And this takes him on three different missionary journeys all over the world. 
Well, when we meet him in Acts chapter 20, he's on his third and final missionary journey. In fact, sort of the final leg of his last missionary journey before he will go back to Jerusalem, the place where he used to kill Christians, the place where Jesus died, and the place where there are people looking for Paul to kill him. But he is now so committed to the way of Jesus that even if it costs him his life, he will walk in the way of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. So this is where we're at in Acts chapter 20, the end of Paul's final missionary journey. And this night he's teaching in a city named Troas. And it's going to be his last night with this particular church. So we know, they might not know, but we know that he will never see them again. And possibly, he is the only one in this room that we know of who has actually seen the resurrected Jesus. Earlier in Acts chapter 20, it tells us in the names of a lot of the people in the room, he might be the only one there that's ever seen the resurrected Jesus. And he has so much to tell them. I mean, he has so much to share with them, so much to teach them about what it means to live this resurrection life in the power of the Spirit, how we live like Jesus when we don't have his physical body just walking down certain roads and doing specific things. He has so much to tell them. This is serious. It's a serious moment, and Paul has serious work to do. And apparently, there's even young people in the room, like Eutychus, this young man. And earlier in Acts chapter 20, it tells us that Timothy is there as well. Timothy is the young man who goes with Paul on these missionary journeys and is learning to teach and preach and lead. I mean, Paul is planning on handing over his position to Timothy. It's important that these young guys understand, right, there's serious work to be done for the sake of the future of the church. And so they're meeting on the first day of the week, it says, to break bread together. So this would have been like their Sunday morning worship gathering, only it would have happened later in the afternoon after everybody finishes work. They're, they're meeting for this worship gathering, and the point of the meeting was really to break bread together. That's why they came together every week was to break bread together. And when it says break bread together... They are not talking about a wafer and a shot of grape juice, right? They are talking about sharing a meal together. Some of you are really great at putting together meals that bring people together and, and induces long conversation and great fellowship around a table. This is why they come together, to share a meal together and share life, to, to eat and laugh and tell stories about Jesus and to tell stories about what the Spirit is doing in their hearts and to tell stories about the falafel hut that just opened down the street. I mean, to share life together. This is why they have gathered. But Paul is there. The apostle Paul is there. And so before they break bread, he starts into this discussion, this dialogue with them probably about the resurrection of Jesus and, and what the resurrection means for people who believe in Jesus, who are walking in the way of Jesus. 
And I bet Paul just has so much to say about this. Like he has so much to tell them about the resurrection of Jesus and why this is super, super important for us. And so he's been talking and talking and there are so many words that he needs to get out. And guess what they haven't done when it comes to midnight? What haven't they done? Anybody notice? They haven't eaten They haven't broken bread together. And remember, some of these people have been working all day, and then they get together for dinner, and this guy won't stop talking, and they are hungry. Now, do we have any teachers in the room, like teachers, uh, elementary, uh, middle school, high school, college, any age teachers? If you're a teacher, could you raise your hand? I'm seeing, got some hands in here. So you can put your hands down now, but let me just say, Thanks be to God for you (laughs) and for your presence in the world. Uh, But let me ask, especially for our teachers, uh, how effective is it to try to teach hungry students? You have permission to speak up. How effective is it to teach hungry students if you want to? I'm just seeing a lot of shaking heads. It is not super effective, no matter what the age is, right? It's not super effective to try to teach hungry people, not just children. I see you all when it gets real close to 12 o'clock and the sermon's going a little long that day. And you're thinking about what's for lunch and who's going to get to El Sombrero first. I see you. I mean, we get to a point where... We done. (laughs) Whether we said amen or not, we done. I understand they haven't eaten, all right? So they are hungry. Strike one. Strike one for Paul. They're hungry. Then the passage also tells us that there are many torches lit in this third floor, third story room, that there are many torches lit, which makes sense. It's nighttime. They might be reading letters and things where they need light. They need to see each other. But there are not just one or two, there's many torches in this upper room packed with bodies of people who have come, probably even more people than usual when they heard that Paul is going to be there teaching. And so you have bodies and you have torches, you're on the third floor, heat rises, guess what? It is hot in there. Woo! Strike two. So now they're hungry, and it's hot in this room. And then Paul just keeps on talking, like talking and talking and probably answering questions, but then talking and talking and more and more words late into the night. They are bored. Strike three. Eutychus is out, right? Like he is out, out of consciousness, out the window, out of this world. And by the way, the name Eutychus means good fortune. That's funny. I think it's probably supposed, it's funny. The good fortune guy just fell to his death because Paul went on and on. They're hungry, hot, and bored. It's seriously funny. Now, hungry, hot, and bored is a dangerous combination for anyone. 
But as I was studying the passage this week, Bible commentators think that the word there used for a young man, Eutychus was probably somewhere between the ages of 8 and 14, right? 8 and 14 was considered a man, but a, but a young man. I have a 10-year-old son, and hungry, hot, and bored, let's just say, like, when he is hungry, hot, and bored, I wish he would fall asleep. (laughs) That's the best outcome of a situation like that, honestly. This is a tough thing to experience to be hungry, hot, and bored. And so Paul realizes that he has just bored this guy to death. (laughs) Literally. And he goes down to the ground three floors down where the body is laying. And now in this moment, just like the prophet Elijah gathered his body over the widow's son and brought him back to life. And just like Jesus tenderly spoke to the centurion's daughter and brought her back to life, Paul holds this young man in his arms and says, oh, there is still life in him. He comes back to life. It is this resurrection miracle that takes place. On the first day of the week, which is resurrection day, in this Christian worship gathering where they are celebrating the resurrection, and Paul is probably teaching them about the resurrection, and here they are, and they have a little mini resurrection that takes place. Paul demonstrates for them what he apparently has not even had enough words to explain in his teaching. It's almost as if you can't really understand the mystery of resurrection from a sermon or a lesson or a book. It's like you have to experience it. Thank God that the gospel is more than just words. Thank God. So finally, after Paul bores a guy to death, he realizes it's time to stop and break bread. (laughs) Maybe we're all hungry. So they pause and they share a meal together. They break bread, they fellowship and eat together. And it says there is not a little bit of comfort. It's another way to say there's a whole lot of comfort. This is a story about resurrection, seen in the life of Paul, who has grown so much in the likeness of Jesus, remember, from his days of killing Christians to now he is raising dead Christians back to life. That's a big change. That is transformation that only God can bring. That's a really, really big change. Remember, the church is still working out what resurrection means and and what it means for the life of the church and for people who are walking in the way of Jesus, filled with the Spirit to the glory of the Father. And Paul, he's experienced this for himself. Remember, he used to be Saul. He He was alive, but he was dead. And now he's Paul, and he's living this resurrection life. He doesn't just teach it. He doesn't just know it. He has lived it. And he probably feels like he's just got so much to tell these people. They need to listen and understand. He is passionate and desperate to explain this. 
And he has so many words to describe, but the gospel is more than words. And after all of his words have caused a young man to drop dead out the window, he finally closes his mouth and moves his feet toward the body on the ground. And he discovers that there's still life in it. The next time that Paul will open his mouth, it won't be to say more words. It will be to eat bread bread that is broken and shared with Eutychus and Timothy, with Aristarchus and Secundus, and and those names, they might not sound like a lot, but it means that there's people in there of different generation, and there's Jews and Gentiles and folks who see the world very differently, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, they become one body at the table of the Lord. Now, I probably don't have to tell you that people who live in different generations see the world differently. Uh, We don't need a long explanation for that. I'm so grateful that here at Trevecca Community Church, we really believe in intergenerational community. In fact, just this last Wednesday night, we had family game night for our Wednesday night activities where parents were invited to come and be a part of youth group and children's ministry. And several of us parents who had come to take part of children's ministry, we were upstairs Playing the game, make sure I get this right, never have I ever. Have y'all played this game before? Playing the game, never have I ever. It's a little bit like musical chairs, except the chairs face inward, and the person who doesn't have a chair stands in the middle of the circle, and they say something like, never have I ever. You say something that you've never done, and then people who have done that thing have to get up and find a new seat, or they're the one in the middle. So if you were to say, never have I ever fallen asleep in church, Trey DeVore would have to get up and go find another seat, right? (laughs) I'm I'm messing with you, man. It's just too much fun. I cannot resist. But that's the idea, right? Like if, and to be honest, a lot of us would get up on that one and have to find a new seat. Never have I ever. So we're having fun with it, and I noticed that At one point, we kind of started playing the generational game to get each other out. Like, at one point, I was in the middle, I was out, and I said, all right, uh, let's see. Never have I ever had to do virtual school. (laughs) And all of our kids, right, who have lived through 2020, 2021, what day is it today? I hardly remember. Um, They all had to pop up. But those of us who are in the generation that did not have to learn how to mute and unmute to explain your answer about regrouping, we got to stay in our seats, right? Well, so then some of the other folks, they catch on to this. And and one of the other younger folks that was in the group is in the middle, and she says, never have I ever had a mortgage, right? (laughs) Just fair. We see the world differently because the world is different. We see the world differently in different generations because the world is different. If you haven't noticed, it it is changing right now, in fact, this minute, (laughs) all the time. It's not because one generation is better or worse or one is strong and one is lazy. It's because the world that we grew up in is different. And sometimes people like me who have to get up because they, I have a mortgage and, and I've been to seminary and I think I've got all of my words right, 
Sometimes I feel this sense of desperation to tell this next generation everything I know, <laughs> to make sure that I set them all straight. And I feel this desperation in a, in a good and holy way too, right? Like I feel this desperation to tell them everything that I know about Jesus, everything that I know about walking in the way of Jesus, everything that I know about being filled with the Holy Spirit, everything that I know about being so filled with the love of God that there is no room for anything called sin, everything that I know about the mission of God that we have been empowered to live in the world. I feel this desperation to say it all, to make sure they've heard every last word that I have to say. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's a good and right and holy passion just like Paul had. But sometimes I'll be the first to admit I can explain it to death and just take all the life out of the resurrection. <laughs> Sometimes I can be so consumed with my own words that I'm not noticing when people are about to fall out the window. We can get so caught up in a lot of debate over words and which ones we use and, and which letters for which causes go on our Facebook profile picture. And I feel like I'm seeing a lot of that these days. A lot of generational divisions, seeing the world differently. And maybe it's been like that since Paul and Timothy. But in all of these conversations, I'm noticing more and more young people who are checking out. Checking out of the church, and I hope not checking out of their faith in Jesus. But checking out. And so it's... It's funny when we joke about Trey DeVore falling asleep in church, and he's a good sport for that. That's, that's funny. But it's serious when there is an epidemic of young people dropping like flies right out church windows everywhere. And it's really serious when young people drop out of the windows of the church and we just keep droning on like we haven't even noticed about the plight of the church these days and moral laziness and if this next generation would just put down their phones and pick up a book when there are bodies on the ground. That's not what Paul did. Paul closed his mouth and he moved his feet towards the body on the ground. And you know what he discovered? that there was still life there. He discovered that God was still up to something, that even in all of his going on and on and on, that he could not stop the resurrection power of the living God. And that nothing would keep, even this next generation and the one after it and the one after it, nothing is going to kill the church as long as there is the power of the Holy Spirit in this world. He discovers this and we get to see a mini resurrection happen right there in Troas. Acts chapter 20, a mini resurrection. One of our missional practices here at Trebekah Community Church is the practice of making room, preparing space for others in the kingdom of God. And I've been thinking this week what that means for us as a university church welcoming the next generation. How do we make room for young people in the church? And how do we help young people learn how to make room for older generations? How do we come together as one body? I can tell you, y'all, that nobody wants to hear you talk about Jesus until they know that you will break bread with them. And that we will sit at a table together and fellowship and break bread together. In fact, that is why 
this fall, Pastor Jeremy is organizing something I'm really excited about where he's actually going to organize a way for all of our different adult Sunday school classes to sign up to host meals together with our college students. Anybody remember before there was a thing called COVID-19 when we used to do that? Uh, Three years ago, actually, the fall of 2019, uh, we would have these Sunday lunches where Sunday school classes would would host a meal for college students and, and rooms were packed with college students and people of different generations breaking bread together, sharing life together, hearing each other's stories. Well, Pastor Jeremy is going to be organizing that again, but now with breakfast. We've learned a lot of your classes. You like to have breakfast together. So we're we're listening. We're we're listening to you. In fact, at the end of the service, Pastor Jeremy is going to tell you more if there's ways that you'd like to be involved. But something happens around a meal table that you can't put words to. It's hard to demonize someone that you've shared a meal with. Friends, there's more to the gospel than words. And Jesus is the word that became flesh. The resurrection of Jesus is not just a nice idea. It is raising us up to new life, flesh and blood in the power of the Holy Spirit to new life. And these people in Acts chapter 20, they're real people who get hungry and hangry and they need to eat together sometimes. We are like them. We are real flesh and blood people and live this resurrection life together. We probably need to eat together around tables and and, and share stories. This morning, if you are a little bit weary, (laughs) weary maybe about the state of your faith, weary about the state of the world, Weary about the state of the church or the state of the generation that came before you or the one that's coming after you. If you are a little bit weary, and maybe you're even a little bit hungry, hot, and tired today. Maybe you're even a little bit hangry. Can I give you a few suggestions? Especially when maybe that hungry, hot, and tired that you're feeling is, is, is making you really frustrated with other people in the church and you feel that sense of division. Maybe you even feel tension being around Christians in the church these days. Can I just say that the way we respond to hungry, whether it's people who are physically hungry, people who are spiritually hungry, people who are saying things like, I'm just not being fed these days, stop and break bread with someone. That's our response to hungry, right, is to stop and break bread with somebody, to share a meal, to share life together. And if you get to the point where you're, you're feeling like it's hot in the room, our response to hot, and I'm not just talking about the kind of hot that we've all experienced this last week. I'm not just talking about global temperatures. I'm talking about the kind of hot When there is division and tension and we have so believed that our words have to win the day in order for the gospel to survive, that it is stifling. When it's hot like that, take down the temperature. What do you need to do to just take down the temperature so maybe we can can hear each other again? Maybe we can see each other again. Maybe we can cool off and remember, oh yeah, you're, you're somebody that I break bread with. You are somebody that I love in the name of Jesus. And our response to bored, 
Our response to board is not just (laughs) telling jokes. Our response to board is to close our mouth and move our feet sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes in the church, we can just put so much energy into more and more words. And hear me out. Words are important. The words we choose are important. Doctrine is important. Scripture is important. That doesn't belittle any of those things. But when you find yourself at a place where words fail you, even at the place where words are beginning to destroy you, then maybe it's time to close your mouth and move your feet, right? To do something that matters, to invite with you to actually walk in the way of Jesus, to get up and to make something happen in the power of the spirit that looks like resurrection in this world. And after we've done all of those things in response to hungry, hot, and bored, the last thing I would just encourage you to do is to trust. Trust that there is still life in us. Trust that in the end, this really is about resurrection. It is about a miracle that only God can do. And so when you have done everything you know to do, when you have been faithful to break bread, maybe you've even baked some bread. Maybe you've done everything you know to do to welcome people to your table. And maybe you've done everything you know to do to take down the temperature. Maybe you've done everything that you know how to do to move your feet. Your feet are tired. You are exhausted. You've done everything. Can I just invite you to trust in the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead and that this same resurrection power will be at work in you too? That the Holy Spirit of God that filled up the lungs of Jesus after his death, the Holy Spirit of God is a gift that is for us and with us. And I know it's the kind of thing, maybe you're even thinking today, like, man, that sounds like a lot of church words. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Well, I promise I'm not just going to keep droning on to explain it to you. It's the kind of thing that you have to experience like Saul becoming Paul. It's the kind of thing that only God can do. And so we're going to invite the band up right now, and and they're going to begin leading us in a song about resurrection. And I just wonder this morning if there's anybody who is really desperate for some new life, to know that there is a kind of new life that God can bring us to that's more than just trying in our own strength and power in a world that is hungry, hot, and bored. If you are hungry this morning, if you are hungry to know that the gospel is more than just words, if you are feeling the heat of a world sometimes can be scorching and blistering. And if you are bored at all the words that swirl around, and sometimes you even come maybe to, to church on a Sunday morning and you hear all the words, you sing all the songs, and you wonder, what does it mean? Like, what difference does it make for my life? I want to invite you to, to move your feet Even right now as we sing, if you'd like to move your feet and to come find a place at an altar, 
It's not a magic trick. It's just, it's just a way to say, Lord, my feet are willing to move. <laughs> my feet are willing to move to follow after you, to follow in the way of Jesus, wherever that might take me in the power of the Spirit to the glory of God the Father. My feet are willing to move, Lord. If you're hungry for that experience of resurrection that you have to experience to really know and understand that is more than my words will ever be adequate to express. Can I tell you that the risen Jesus is here with us today? He's in the room. He is with you and he is for you. He is here and the spirit will come alongside you. Even when you feel discouraged, even when you feel hungry, hot and bored, the resurrection power of God will not stop. And so would you stand as we sing this song? Let this song be your response. You're beginning to respond to a world that is hungry, hot and bored. Let's sing about resurrection. And if you feel so led to move your feet and to come and find a place of prayer, these altars are an open place for you. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m., followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.